Good morning, church. Good morning, family. Really good to see you guys this morning. We thank God for an amazing time um, in his presence already. Scripture says that in his presence is fullness of joy. And I believe very strongly that the spirit of joy has been poured out on each and every person present in the auditorium and also watching online. I want to welcome very specially our online audience. Thank you so much for tuning in. We recognize, yes guys, please, yes, let's love on them. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you. We're applauding you here in the auditorium because we know that you could be, I mean, streaming any other service right now, but you have chosen to spend this time with God and with us, and we're very excited. Thank you all so much for coming in, for leaving the comfort of your homes um, and just being here. There's an inside joke that we have um, amongst the leaders during leadership meetings, and we'll be like, oh, during the pandemic and when there was a complete lockdown, how some people will be frying, planting, and eggs during service, you know, um, because service was on your gadget, as it were. So you can be mobile, listening, plugged in, and doing your thing, cooking, or just being under your duvet. So I want to thank you all for coming into church, into God's presence uh, this morning. Awesome. Please, can we love on the band? Thank you so much, guys. God bless you. Amazing time of worship. And this is just for those of you who don't come into church kind of early. You know, you come in after the worship. You're missing out. You're missing out on, on just being able to connect. Um, it's, it's as though God prepares our hearts for an encounter with him already. Even from the time of worship, he opens up our hearts and just helps us understand the depth of his love. He reveals how amazing he is as we just worship and, and we pour our love on him. So I want to encourage you to try to come in a bit earlier, okay? Uh, and thank you so much for Labi and, and team for that fantastic song. In my boat is one of my favorites um, because I remember when Falabi released the song and it was just very spot on. It was something I needed. I just needed that reminder that regardless of whatever it is I'm going through, regardless of whatever curveballs life throws at me, God is in my boats. God is in my boat. Jesus is in my boats. He's with me in there, right there, right there. Whatever it is you're going through, he's with you in it. He's with you in it. Whatever loss you have experienced this year, Jesus is in your boat. He's in your boat. He's holding on to you. You know, over the weekend, I think it was Friday, yes, Friday night, and I was privileged to be in, amongst, in a gathering where, the, you know, the scripture of uh, Peter walking on water was being expounded, and the, just the magnanimity of, of Jesus and he, the fact that he's who he says he is, he would reach out and catch Peter just at the nick of time just at the nick of time, when it was needed, when it was necessary. As Peter thought he was drowning, you know, as he thought that the winds and the waves were going to consume his entire existence. After having stepped out in faith, after having taken, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and just going on, but him considering the things ongoing in his environment, the situation, you know, that he found himself in, becoming aware of the boisterous nature of the wind, we see how he begins to sink. But Jesus, immediately he cries out, Jesus will stretch out his hand and save him. He will catch him. You know, for me, that scripture doesn't quite tell us whether Jesus then carried Peter 
whether they both levitated back to the boat, but it does record that they went back into the boat and the storm ceased after they got into the boat. I believe, this is my personal opinion, and this is how I, you know, picture it. I read, I read my Bible in pictures. I imagine that Peter journeyed back with Jesus, still walking on water. He journeyed back with Jesus, still walking on water. You know, sometimes we want the storm, you know, and I love the song we've just listened to, the storm will cease. And other times, God doesn't want the storm to cease because that storm is very critical. It's like a catalyst for our next level. But what is important is just having Jesus with you in the midst of that storm and recognizing the help that he has made available to you. It is so critical. And being able to reach out for that help, being able to embrace that help, being able to accept the help, because sometimes the help comes in different forms. It doesn't come in the form or the nature that you want it to. Sometimes that help shows up as just wisdom, you know, that is made available to you through a book you read. Wisdom from friends. And I want you guys to help me appreciate the four friends. Ejiro, Peju, Dolakpo, and Folabi. God bless you guys. You know, it comes from just having the right people around you who can speak to your life, who can speak to your situation, who see. Sometimes we're blindsided by the events that, you know, we're, we're so immersed in our own struggles that we're not seeing clearly. And somebody else is seeing and is like, I see what God is doing here. You know, gives you a shift in perspective, a change, and you begin to see things differently. Sometimes that help just comes in front of a divine assistant, a miraculous occurrence. But whichever way it is, guys, I want to encourage you today, as you are joining to the end of the year and in preparation for 2021, you want to engage the help of God. You want to engage the outstretched arm of God. And this is not even just so that you can get things. I feel very strongly that we need to, as young people, we need to move from that place where all we're desiring is just an opportunity to receive, an opportunity to hammer, to blow, to have whatever billions in your account, you know, to use a whatever type of car, to build a house in, or to, to buy a house in a, in a choice part of town, you know, to have an amazing type of job. I mean, these things are great. These things are great to have. But I am reminded of the scriptures where Jesus would speak to Martha. He would have a private session with Martha and Mary. How many people are excited? I mean, if Jesus was, I mean, modern day Jesus, he was here on earth with us. How many of us would even be open enough and available enough to have that one-to-one -one type, you know, communion with him? I mean, he's not here with us in the physical. But what are you doing how are you engaging him? How are you communing with him? How are you having those one-to-one -one moments with him? And we see how, you know, he would visit them. He would have a conversation with both of them. But Martha is all over the place. You know, she's trying to take care of, I mean, it's like, please, I can't even, I don't, I don't know who it is to, to equate Jesus' visit to. But for, for the sake of just trying to, some, someone should give me an example. Who would you, who? Who would blow your mind if the person was visiting you? Yeah? Give me an example of someone who you would be very excited to have visit you. Like the person extends an invitation to you to come and have lunch with me. Falabi, yay. Oh my God, yes. Somebody says Falabi, okay. Anyone else? For real, guys. 
Who would excite you? BWS, okay. Yes? Frank Oshodi. Who's that? Sorry. Frank Ocean. Oh, right. Okay. Who else, please? Obama. Yes. Oprah. I know exactly. So just, and I mean, you will prepare for such a meeting, right? Tell me, guys. Let's talk to me. You will prepare for such a meeting once that invitation is extended. And I mean, it's not so, even if it's sudden, like all those surprise visits Oprah pulls off and she shows up. Somebody says Buhari. The Lord is with you. I mean, I won't mind an, a, a session with him. He's the president. I won't mind a session with him where I can pour my heart. Yes, pour my heart out to him. But anyway, just knowing that such a session is upcoming, you will prepare. I'm sure you would have the questions you want to ask. I'm sure you choose which type of accent you want to use to speak, if it's Obama, if it's Oprah, you know. You're you are going to want to posture properly, you know, different things. But here was Jesus with Martha and Mary, super chilled, super comfortable. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus. Like, you can be yourself with him. No airs, no fronts. You can just be yourself with him because that's what he wants. You see, there's nothing you want to say to him that he doesn't know already. There's nothing you want to tell him that he doesn't know. Anyway, they're having this conversation, and he sees Martha all over the place, just up and about. And oftentimes, that's how we are. We're so focused on doing for him. We want to do for him. We want to do for him. We want to do for him. Some of us are not even doing for him. We are doing for ourselves. We are doing for ourselves at the expense of quality time with him. Now, I don't know who is pulling this out of me because this is not even my message. The Lord will help us. But this is for someone here. I don't know who's pulling it out. But as you prepare for 2021, you are beginning to draw up your goals. Would you put intimacy with Jesus as a goal? Would you set that as a goal? Quality time with the Father. Would you set that as a goal? Where you desire and you propose to want to know him more. Jesus will say to Martha, you know, you're all over the place. Mary has chosen the one thing that matters, the one thing that is important, the one thing that is important, which is spending time with the Father, being in his presence, sitting at his feet, learning from him, studying the Bible, guys, studying the word for yourselves. See, it's not enough for me to come and tell you stuff that is here or any of the pastors to come here and, and, and tell you things that are in the scriptures. You've got to know the word for yourself. You've got to know the word for yourself. You've got to spend time in prayer. And as a church, we're prioritizing this as a goal. It may not be the very fashionable thing to do in these days. It may not be very popular or, or cool, you know. But we're saying to ourselves that we will grow. You see, because our knowledge of Jesus, our walk, the, the deeper we go in our walk with him, the more fruits we produce on the outside. Everything it is that we're desiring, multimedia, you guys need to help me with this timer because you know that I'm, I can be here for a while. The more we, we, our, our roots go deeper in our walk with Jesus, the more fruits we produce on the outside. And these fruits will be beautiful. The things that we're desiring, the things we want, the things we're, we're chasing after, we will see him do these things effortlessly. But what matters the most, Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom. 
seek ye first the kingdom. Okay. All right. So we thank God uh, for 2020. I hope we don't have anybody here who wants to take out 2020 from their calendar of years. As at the start of, you know, the pandemic and all, some people decided that 2020 was not going to feature because they didn't think that they had achieved anything. They didn't think, they thought all their plans had been thrown away because of everything that has happened, you know. But God is good. God is good. And God's goodness is not dependent on the state of the economy. His goodness is not, is not dependent on, this, on, on the pandemic, the presence or the absence of a pandemic. He remains good. He remains faithful. And he is the one that we serve. He's our source. Okay, so um, I'm just going to take this declaration very quickly. And I want us to just say it after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that I may be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That I will walk worthy of you, Lord, fully pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to your glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Um, for the entrance of your word this morning. We thank you because it gives light. It lightens up our life. Thank you, Lord God, for burdens are lifted in your presence. Thank you, Lord God, for healing. Thank you for healing, healing of hearts, healing of our in, in relationship with you. Thank you, Father, Lord, for spiritual nourishments. And thank you because your word will do an internal and an eternal work in us. In Jesus' name we've agreed. Amen. All right, so... Um, we're wrapping up our audacious series. Um, that's the teaching series we've been running this entire month. And I will just continue from where I stopped. So don't mind me. I was kidding when I said that um, I had not started my message. I had already started it. It was important for me to lay that foundation before we go into things because it is important that at every point in time, we are mindful of the giver of gifts, the, the giver of strength, the one who is our source and how to improve our relationship with him over and above um, the things that we're desiring from him, okay? And so today's teaching is tagged, it's not over. It's not over. Whatever it is that you're trusting and believing God for, this year is not over. It's not over. Say to someone sitting beside you, it's not over. It's not over. 30, we have what, 32 or 33 more days to the end of the year? 32 or 33, I, I can't remember which it is now, but hey, that's, that's a significant amount of time for God to fix things. That is a significant amount of time for God to turn things around. And so let no one be discouraged here. You've been hoping and trusting and believing God for a turnaround in your situation, for a shift in the atmosphere over your lives. That is a significant amount of time for God to do these things, okay? And so we join, um, we continue the story from the book of Judges, Judges chapter 7, where we meet a young man called Gideon. Gideon, Gideon, Gideon. Now, um, I'm sure it's a story a lot of us are familiar with, but for the benefit of those who aren't, I mean, Gideon is, he ends up being one of the judges in, in Israel at that time, but hey, before he became a judge, before God would reach out to him to use him, Gideon was one person who had to be, who he was had to be revealed to him. 
because it was almost as though he didn't know. First of all, we see him in a threshing, in a wine press where he's threshing wheat in Judges chapter 6. You know, and an angel comes to him as at this time the children of Israel had been badly oppressed, badly oppressed by the Midianites and even the Amalekites. It was like a, a combination of forces against them, militating um, against them. Let's not dwell on how they got there. That's a story for another day. And what you know, brought about that oppression. But they were oppressed and at some point they cried out to God for help. And God would send Gideon to them. He would use Gideon. But we, it's very interesting because I feel like we all can relate to the story of Gideon. Okay? I mean, there was Samson who was born a certain way. Who had been dedicated from birth who had specific instructions for his life that he was not supposed to, um, you know, cut his hair, he wasn't supposed to, he was dedicated in Nazarene. You know, so Samson was, you can say that, that Samson was already called from birth, and so it is no surprise that he was such a mighty man, and he could do the very amazing things that scripture records that he did. But hey, Gideon, on the other hand, was very different. Gideon was very different. Gideon was hiding, doing what he was supposed to be doing elsewhere, somewhere else because of fear and an angel will come to him and say to him mighty man of valor and he's like you say what you can't be talking to me but the angel goes on and explains to him what he was supposed to do and first thing Gideon does is that he rants he vents remember when I said if I had an opportunity with Buhari yeah he did something like that why would you say God is on our side. Why would you say God has not forsaken us? You know, and this is uh, chapter six, verse thirteen. Gideon said to the angel, "Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all these things happened? All these things happened to us, and where are all His miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt?" So here was Gideon, who had history. I mean, he had information. And then, he wasn't seeing what he had been told God had the capacity and the ability to do. He hadn't experienced it. And I believe a lot of us can relate to that. Because at some point in time this year, you may have had to question, where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this when my life is not looking like it's making sense? Where is God in all of this when it looks like I'm not making progress? Where is God in all of this when young people are being killed, you know, for a cause that is very justifiable? Where is God when there's so much corruption in our nation? Where is God? And we, we keep asking these questions. That was what Gideon did. He took up the angel and said, no, don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me God will save us. But you see, just moving on to chapter 7, I mean, after he gets over that and he gets convinced why he needs to do what, you know, sort of, align with God and partner with God in delivering um, the children of Israel. He gets over how he's feeling and he has a first assignment which is for him to tear down the altar of Baal, of, of Baal in, you know, in his father's household in, his, in their town there. And a lot of times when we read the story of Gideon, we're very tempted to think immediately he had that encounter with the angel. You know, when you read the scriptures, there's a story of David where he was anointed king. The Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him. Saul was anointed king. The Spirit of God came upon him. There's a way we believe that once God calls you, automatically your life just transforms and you get up and go. 
every fear disappears. You are filled with boldness and courage. Not in all cases, as seen in the life of Gideon here. Because Gideon would then, he couldn't do the work by day out of fear. And so he would go and destroy the altar of Baal at night. That is the same Gideon that in chapter 7 we then meet and we encounter him. And God says to him, look, I want you to choose men. I want, I want you to raise people who would go on this journey with you against the Midianites, to wage war against them. From verse 2, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. Now, Gideon had 32,000 people who had signed up into this army. 32,000 people had indicated interest to journey with him. 32,000 people had committed to the vision, the vision of the deliverance of, of the children of Israel. And I think a lot of us can relate to that, especially if you're in a leadership position where you sell the vision, you cast the vision, and people are excited and they join in. But let's see what happens. God says to Gideon, these people are too many. Now, the people, much later in, in that story, we see, we have an idea of how many people Gideon was going to wage war against, the children of Israel versus the Midianites. The Midianites were about 135,000 army size. Okay, 135,000. So first of all, in Israel, only 32,000 people show up. So what, what's, the, what's that ratio? That's like one, for every one Israelite, there were like three or so Midianites, right? Now God then says to Gideon, this is Gideon that was already dealing with the fear of, I don't know what you're talking about, God, but if it is you sending me, please let it, let dew fall upon this uh, fleece. If it is not you, let dew fall around it. You know, testing God to be sure that he heard correctly. And we do that. Sometimes we're like, God, <laughs> I hope nobody still does that though. But I remember back in the days, <laughs> you want to go into a relationship, say, God, if he's the one, let him wear a red shirt. Let him wear a red shirt. Let him come to me and let him say X, Y, Z. If a person doesn't wear a red shirt, you're like, okay, God, so it means it's not, you know? And we do that in different ways. You know how you are doing your own fleece, how you are setting your fleece for God. God, if it is, if this job is mine, let them, you know, without me applying, let them look for me. You're on your own. Anyway, so Gideon here just, um, he's at that place where he's like, 32,000 people, God, how do you say 32,000 people to 135,000 people are too many? And God says, tell everyone who is afraid to get up and leave. And he explains why to him in that verse 2. He says, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. That doesn't make any logical sense, right? How do you say 32,000 people are too many for us to deal with 135,000 people? It should be the other way around. That is what makes logical sense. That is what makes, you know, human reasoning. Okay? But God says to him, Let Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 people out of 32,000 get up and leave. So imagine that, you know the four friends we had here, okay? Let's assume that the four of them were all friends, including Samuel, 
you know, Esohe, uh, Shola, and a couple of guys in church here, IK in protocol, you know. Imagine that they were all in, you know, they, they were a community of friends uh, running a business together. And maybe, maybe Falabi is the, is the lead of that team. And he says to them, okay, guys, so you see, um, I know that Google has been trying to poach some of you, and I just want to say to you guys that um, if you want to go, it's fine, you can go. And the first person that gets up to leave is Ajiro. Do you understand? Imagine how Gideon must have felt when 22,000 people will get up and leave. Yes, God has, had spoken. God had given him a word to say, these people are too many for me to use. So he understood it, but sometimes our human mind cannot quite, you know, accommodate you know, the, the, the spiritual dimension of, of things. Especially where, we are, where there's a lot of fear, where there's a lot of doubt, where there's a lot of uncertainty. And you're like, God, are you sure you know what you are doing? God, are you sure you know what you are doing? Because this doesn't make any sense. But Gideon would get up and, I mean, 22,000 people leave. And God would still say to him, further down in verse 4, But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. There it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go. Whomever I say shall not go, will not go. He brought people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. While the number of those who, who knelt to drink were, I mean, do the math. What was left of the 10,000? That's what, 9,700 people. Why did the 9,700 people not be the ones to lap and cup the water to their mouth? Why did it have to be the other way around? Anyway, this just goes to show when God is involved in a matter, no matter whatever the circumstances look like, no matter how overwhelming the circumstances look, God's mighty hand is very much available to deal and to, to save, to save, to save you, to save you beyond what does not make human sense, what does not make, you know, logical sense. God is very much able to deliver completely, completely, so that the glory is his. And you will not think it is by your qualifications, it is by your intellect, it is by your reasoning that you have made it so. Okay? Now, it wasn't exactly how Gideon pictured the victory would be. Because remember, God, the angel had come to him and said to him, Almighty man of valor. So he must have expected I needed a strong army. He must have expected that the Spirit of God would rest mightily upon these 32,000 people. You know, they would be enabled to carry on the assignment and to deliver as God intended. But absolutely not. You know, and I'm reminded of the scripture in Acts, um, I think it's Acts 4, when Peter was arrested and, and the other apostles lifted up their voices in prayer. And they would say, Part of their prayer there was that whatever your hand and your purpose has determined to do beforehand. And I want to remind someone here today that there is a plan and a purpose for your life. There is something that God had proposed, he had determined, you know, to do 
by the prerogative of his mercy and by his predestined will. There is a plan for your life. So no matter what is going on around you, there are instructions that you will receive in this season that will not make sense. Don't discard them. There are instructions you will receive either from what you glean as you study the scriptures and then the Holy Spirit is impresses upon your heart or, you know, a word for those who hear audible voices or for those who dream. But God will speak to you as long as you open up yourself and as you begin a plan for 2021, he would, he would give you instructions. Just like Gideon received this instruction here that did not make any sense at all. How do you go to war against 135,000 people with 300 men? Now, those 300 men, it was ratio 1 to 450. So for every one Israelite soldier, there were 450 Midianite soldiers to contend with. You know? And it's very interesting how God separates the 9,700 from these 300 by that simple act where he says, I'm going to put them to test for you. And whoever does this, these are the guys you're chucking out. So just studying that scripture a bit, I realized that the season in which they were actually was also a season, it, 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 it was like summer, the equivalent of summer. You know, they were, so obviously they, they would have been very thirsty and they were on their way to go and lay, um, to encamp in preparation for what was coming. Okay? And so they stopped to refresh themselves, which is fine. They stopped to refresh themselves in a season of, um, of thirst, in a season of despair, in a season of discouragement. They stopped to get to refreshing. How they get the refreshing is also very interesting because two things that come out from that little test that happens there. Now, the guys who would stoop, who would kneel and submerge their faces in the water to drink, um, it appeared as though they were consumed with their burden, their thirst. They were consumed with their thirst and how they were feeling that all they were thinking about was just to just end, quench their thirst, for want of a better phrase to put it, to just be all right. That's all they were concerned about. And so they would take that approach. While the guys who, who cupped the water to drink were a bit more vigilant because they knew that they were on a journey they knew that the end was not the refreshing, wasn't at that place, that stream, where they were drinking. The end of the matter was a battle against the enemies of the Lord and against the enemies of the, of the uh, children of Israel. And so they were a bit more vigilant with that simple gesture. They didn't, they, they, it was enough for them to just satisfy their craving but also be aware of their environment. Because remember that when Gideon was going to thresh wheat, he was hiding. He had to do it in hiding. He had to be somewhere to do it. And so it meant that their, their environment wasn't safe. It meant that anything could have happened at any point in time. You know? But only 300 people were perceptive enough um, of, and aware of, the, of, of what was going on, enough to be able to be vigilant at that place. That's one. Number two is that... Yes, they needed to take a break to refresh their, themselves. And we all are in a season where, I mean, in the last nine or so months, we are trusting God for a turnaround in our personal circumstances, in our nation, in everything that is going on in and around us. But at the same time, we need to be mindful of the opportunities that God presents our way for refreshing. 
being mindful of those opportunities to refresh our souls. Bible says in Psalm 23 that the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He restores our souls. One of the biggest um, uh, responsibilities of the Holy Spirit is to ensure we are consistently refreshed and restored. And as such, if we don't create opportunities to allow the Holy Spirit to refresh us, what happens is that we stay in a place of consistent discontent. We stay in a place of consistent or perpetual worry and fear because we have not allowed ourselves be refreshed by God. And he wants to do that for anyone here who is tired, anyone here who is weary, anyone here who is burdened, you are carrying a burden and you feel overwhelmed, you know, you are carrying your family. You are carrying your family. For someone in particular, you are carrying your family. And you're, you feel like you're crumbling under the weights of the Lord. Would you cast your burdens on Jesus this morning and allow him just refresh you? Allow him refresh you. Let him refresh you by his word. Let him refresh you with his spirit. Let him refresh you and take over that burden on your behalf. Let him give you wisdom, open you up to new levels and enable your eyes to see the opportunities for refreshing that has been made available to you. We see the story of Hagar, you know, at a point in time in her journey where she would leave her son to die because she couldn't bear to see, I mean, she would leave him and then just take a walk. She couldn't bear to see him die and the spirit, you know, the angel, would speak to her and her eyes will be open to see the well of provision that has been made available for her. I believe very strongly that in this season, regardless of what we're going through, there are opportunities for refreshing that God has made available for us. And we only just need to ask that our eyes be open to see these opportunities. We only just need to ask that our eyes be open to see these opportunities for refreshing. And it comes to different people in different ways based on your need and based on how God is dealing with you presently, okay? So, putting this all together, God needed a, a particular type of army, you know. He needed a particular type of army, those who will be vigilant, um, those who will not be too consumed by their own um, personal thirst and not be vigilant enough to, uh, what's the word now, just aware of the bigger assignments that is ahead of them. And that is so important for us in this generation because our lives are beyond what we will eat, what we will drink, and what we will wear. Our lives matter so much more than that. And these things are important, don't get me wrong. This is not saying that you should be heavenly focused and earthly useless or earthly irrelevant. This isn't saying that you should just, all you do every day is wake up, study your Bible, pray, don't be useful to anybody here on earth? Absolutely not. But what is important is your qualifications. As you go to school, as you get that second degree, that third degree, you know, as you start that business, as you get that job in that multinational and you start to make a lot of money, it's not about you. It is not about you. See, the sum total of your life, it, 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 you're a resource. 
And I hope nobody feels sad or feels bad. I'm putting it that way. But that's what, that's what we are. We are resources. You know, God is looking for people who would partner with him to change the world, to change our nation, to give people a hope and a meaning to their lives and to their existence. There are some people that your name is attached to their lives, to, you know, to the growth of their lives. There's a family, you know, whose children need to go to school. And they have your name attached to it in, in the spirit. But let me tell you something that I've found. And I mean, I've not, I'm not that old, so I've not journeyed with God for that long. But I find that sometimes we miss opportunities to be a blessing. Our own growth and next level is attached to those opportunities. But we pass them up. Why? Because we are so focused on sorting ourselves out. We are so focused on being all right and being better that we miss those opportunities to be a blessing to someone else. And a classic example from the scriptures is the story of Joseph. Joseph was in a place where, one, he had no business being there. He was thrown in prison for something he didn't do. How did he even get to the place where they threw, before they threw him into prison? His brothers framed him up. You know, they, they wanted to kill him. His brothers hated him. They were ready to do away with it, uh, with him. And you are probably seated here and you're like, I can relate to Joseph's story because I have been punished for things that I knew nothing about. Nobody believed me or something. Maybe you've lost your job in, you know, because the, you, you've been framed up or whatever it is, whatever it is. But see, Joseph had every, in fact, I always personally, when I study, I'm like, Joseph has a moral justification to, to be melancholic, to be depressed, and to be suicidal. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Yeah, fill the blank. He had every reason to just want to end it. But he didn't. In fact, if anything, he was a hope bringer. Because he gave two people in the prison cell there hope. At least one person hope. The other person was a doom story, but yeah. He solved problems for two people who were in a state of confusion, who probably merited the reasons why they were thrown in prison in the first place, maybe. But he solved their problems. He could only have been aware enough to do that because he was not encumbered with his own personal issues, not because he wasn't thinking about it. And let me tell you how we know that Joseph was not, it wasn't that he was a happy-go-lucky, sanguine, Oh, yeah, everything will be all right. You know, just people that are just naturally optimistic. The likes of our Fulusha, for those of you who know Fulusha in church, you know, everything will be all right. They, they, there's never a sad day with them. But because when he interprets the dreams of the butler and the baker, he would say to, to the guy that was restored, please don't forget to mention me, you know, because I'm here for the wrong reason. I was not, I'm not supposed to be here. That's how we know that it wasn't as though he forsook his own problems. But he didn't let it consume his life so much so that he missed out an opportunity to be a blessing to those guys. And so I'm, this is an encouragement to you as we wrap up this living boldly, living fearlessly, you know, living audaciously series. What has consumed you so much that you are missing out opportunities for being a blessing, opportunities, you know, to be a blessing to others. That you have no idea that your next level and your solution is tied to you solving those problems. 
So don't be fatigued. It's not over until we win because God has a winning plan. He always does. Scripture says that the plans that he has for us are plans, are thoughts to prosper us, thoughts to increase us, thoughts to give us a hope and a future. Those are his plans for us. And so everything that stands contrary to those plans, whether it be the, you know, the machinations of, of wickedness, of, of wicked men that have caused these things to be, or just divine occurrence, whatever it is, we hinge our hope and our faith on the fact that God has a plan. And we permit his plan in our lives. And how do we permit God's plans for us? It's by how we posture. First is the posture of the heart. How is your heart postured to embrace all of God's plans for you? Not some parts of it, but everything that he has for you. And in that journey, in that plan, sometimes it will not all be pretty. And that's the truth. We see it in the life of Joseph. It won't all be pretty. But do you trust God enough with your life to allow him lead you and take you on? We've just completed another decade to take you on another journey. The next decade of your life, the next two decades, the next three decades. Would you choose to live differently? Would you choose to submit your fancy and glorious, beautiful plans? You know, submit them to him and say, Father, just use me use me i don't want to enter into 2021 just thinking about myself thinking about how much money i want to have in my bank account thinking about how much wealth i want to accumulate thinking about what organization it is that i want to walk in you know and i remember guys this is not advocating that you shouldn't think or plan those plans are great and by all means plan but don't plan god outside of your life be having conversations with him right now god you know, and I, I'm reminded of something PI used to say to us. Some of us need to dream big. You need to dream big. You need to think about the bank that exists in your future. That will be able to cater and solve problems, you know, of, of, of underserved um, communities. You need to think about the hospitals that exist in your future. Beyond, over and above, just getting that fantastic job at McKinsey and getting plenty of money and getting married and having children there is more to your life there is more to your life and that's what god proves here with the story of gideon gideon there is more to you i see you for who you are i see you for who you truly are i don't see you the way circumstances of your life have caused you to become timid and to hide i see you because i made you i know you and god made each and every one of us here he knows us and when he created us, he created us for a plan and a purpose. And so the only way to be fit for purpose is to be in alignment with him. Is to understand his heart for your life. To understand his plans and to embrace those plans in totality. Okay, so start fear. You need to start fear and serve quick notice on anything that dilutes your courage. Anything that limits you from taking advantage of opportunities for advancement, opportunities for being a blessing that God will present your way. Anything that looks big to you and, you know, just puts you off. Any situation that overwhelms you where instead of having more, it looks like you are having less. It looks like God is reducing your portions, you know, reducing how you thought you would be able to make success and be successful in your endeavors. It looks like God has reduced and shrunk it. There's also something as I wrap up that we also need to be mindful of as we prayerfully plan for um, the next year. 
some people need to be out of our lives. And this isn't, this isn't, I mean, we, we listen to the friendship God experience. Some people need to be in our lives. And at the same time, some people need to be out of our lives. Some relationships need to change. You know, um, there's so many popular opinions that permeates our generation. So many things. You know, to get over someone, I was having a, I mean, a lunch meeting with someone earlier this week, and we we're talking about just being able to shape um, opinion and, and, and popular culture. To get over someone, you get under someone. Those types of thinking need to change. That can be you. That cannot be you. To get over a heartbreak, you go on a rampage breaking hearts. That cannot be you. That cannot be you seeking a shortcut to making it. Because you are privileged to function in a division, you know, in a unit where you have access to, you know, either privileged information or financial, or, you know, uh, the, the finances of the organization. And because you feel that you have been badly treated, the next thing to do is to help yourself. That cannot be you. That cannot be you trying to help God. That cannot be you trying to, you know, make decisions that look like you're cutting short your destiny. And if you currently have friends who are pushing you or encouraging you in that light, it's time to have a rethink and pray, just as Adriel led us to pray, for friends, for people who, you know, have a heart for God and the things of God. See, I know that these things are, I don't know, for some it just feels like, yeah, in all of this, how am I going to make money in 2021? God's got you. God has you completely. He has a plan. You only just need to align with his plan. He's the source of wisdom that you need. The wisdom and the ideas that you're seeking, they exist in him. The more of God you take on inside you, the more life that comes out of you, the more life you produce. Okay? So, in moments when you are being refreshed, don't lose sight of God. I said that earlier. And the things of God. The opportunities that he's given you to change. The opportunities he's bringing you your way to be a blessing to someone. When we are also being refreshed, we recognize the fact that sometimes there's, a, there's an opportunity for God to prune us. In fact, I believe that God is very big on pruning us because we must become more like Jesus. It's almost a daily walk. It's a daily walk, actually, where you die to self and you, you, know, you, you take on the life of God. You walk in the spirit and you forsake the dictates of the flesh. You can't be that person who is already planning how many girls you're going to sleep with next year. or That should not make it into your plans. You can't be that one who's, you know, and I know that we're dealing with addictions and we're dealing with different things. But we must, we must, as a matter of urgency, we must begin to prioritize the things of God. Okay, so God's pruning makes us stronger. It makes us fit for purpose. It makes us fruitful. It makes us more like him. And... There's a spiritual principle undergirding this that God will sometimes reduce us so He can increase us. He would reduce us so He can, He would humble us so that we can, you know, under His mighty hand be exalted. So, um, wherever it is you are in life right now, I just want to encourage you that you're God's child. You matter to Him, He's concerned about you, He's concerned about your life. Um, there is nothing that you're going through that he's unaware of. And so you need to lose whatever orphan mentality you have. That orphan child mindset that feels like, oh yeah, 
God doesn't love me, I'm not good enough for him, he doesn't care about me, I've been in this mess for so long, I don't see him coming through, I hear people come up here to share their God experiences, God, when God, when will it be my turn? I want a change, I know. You need to lose that mindset where you think God doesn't love you. That's the enemy trying to play tricks on, on, with your mind, you know. He's trying to sell you the wrong, the wrong news. The, he's giving you the wrong vibe completely. God loves you. You are his child. Galatians 4, 7 says, You are no longer a slave but God's child. And since you are his child, he has made you also an heir. Okay, you are deeply loved by God and you are precious to him. He understands you and you're his special possession. So someone needs to go with that encouragement that I am deeply loved by God. I am dearly and deeply loved by God. All right, um, let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. I said earlier that God saw Gideon for who he truly was. And he revealed Gideon to Gideon. He helped Gideon see himself differently. Gideon would never have taken that first step of pulling down the altar of Baal. Neither would he have gone to, you know, mobilize 32,000 people. Gideon never saw himself as a leader. In fact, he said very clearly that he was the least in his father's household and his clan was the least in all of Israel. And yet, God will choose someone like Gideon who saw himself unfit, who thought he was unworthy. And God is saying to you here today, that you are my precious child. I see you for who you are, not what your condition has, you know, made you think you are, not what the circumstances of your life have made you think you are. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That is who you are. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. And so are you going to open up your mouth this morning and just ask, Father, open up my eyes to see who you have made me, who I am to you. Help me see myself through your lenses, not through the lenses of the world, not through the lenses of, of my friends, not through the lenses of the economy, not through the lenses of the things that are not working around me, the things that are overwhelming me. Lord, help me see myself as you see me in the name of Jesus so that I can begin to walk as you have preordained for me to. Help me see myself. Open my eyes to see. Spirit of God, enlighten the eyes of my understanding as I study the scriptures. Give me a revelation of who I am in the name of Jesus. That I will not be small. I will not operate with a small-minded, you know, mindset. Small-mindedness. In the name of Jesus, I will no longer continue to see myself as unworthy for, unworthy of God's grace, unworthy of God's love, unworthy of God's presence. In the name of Jesus, Father, fix me, fix my heart. Reveal me to me in the name of Jesus as you have preordained me. You know, as you have called me your special possession. I ask that you open up my eyes to see in the name of Jesus. Lastly, where is that area in your life that you have lost hope? The first response Gideon would give to the angel was that of hopelessness. Like, I don't see how God can come through. We see Elisha in his journey at some point too, just give up. Oh, sorry, Elijah. You know, when he would have an encounter with God, after having performed signs and wonders, he gives up and he begins to say, you know, I'm the only one left. I'm, I'm the only one left. Just kill me now already. That was being suicidal. 
The only difference was he was not the one who was, you know, ready to take his own life. He was asking God to end him. That was a suicidal thought and a suicidal conversation there. So where is that area of your life that you have lost hope? We see Moses, he had an understanding of his calling. However, when he messed things up, he spends a significant amount of time at the back of the desert until he had an encounter with God. So where is that place? In your life that you have currently lost hope would you open up your mouth this morning and begin to talk if you have a prayer language now is the time to pray in the Holy Ghost and declare a restoration of hope that was one of the things God said to us in this month of November that he would restore hope he would restore peace he would restore joy that he would revive our hearts strengthen our faith once again to believe to trust and to hope in him and I'm reminded of the scripture in Romans 15, 13 that says that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and, you know, with joy and peace in believing and that you would abound in hope by the help of the Holy Spirit. Would you begin to declare today that you are restored in hope in the name of Jesus. Whether it is in your, concerning your marital destiny, whether it's concerning your business, whether it's concerning your, your, your career, whether it's concerning your health, whether it's concerning your family, whatever it is, your financial situation, debts and bills ahead of you or in front of you, would you lift up your voice this morning and declare in the name of the Lord Jesus that the God of hope is restoring you in hope. And he's not only restoring you in hope, I love that Romans 15, 13 so much. He speaks about him giving you joy and peace and enabling you to believe Enabling you to trust again, enabling you to hope again. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for a restoration of hope, oh God. Thank you for opening our eyes to see, to see as you see us. We see ourselves loved, we see ourselves victorious, we see ourselves living fearlessly, we, are, we see ourselves full of faith. We see ourselves full of peace, full of joy. We see ourselves full of hope and becoming hope bringers. That by the same comfort we have received, we begin to comfort those in our generation. We begin to reach out to the unchurched, to the, un to the lost and to the unsaved. We begin to reach out to the people that are struggling in their walk with you. That we are light indeed and we are salt indeed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we have prayed. If you have been blessed, would you put your hands together and just celebrate Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.